Welcome to the Culture Happens podcast, where we discuss the future of work and company culture. My name is Nick Congelosi, and I'm on HubSpot's leadership and management development team. Today, I'm joined by Lauren DeSouza, one of our senior managers in customer support. Lauren, tell us a little bit about what you do at HubSpot. Hi, Nick. Um, so as you said, I'm a senior manager in our support organization, and um, I'm responsible for our region, um, our North American region. And basically what that means, if you're a customer and you're talking to somebody here, um, I'm responsible for them. All right. Well, thank you for everything that you do at HubSpot. HubSpot support is uh, saved my life many times. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> so on this episode, uh, shout out to support. On this episode, <laughs> we're going to be digging into a topic that is foundational for the success of teams and companies and the success of their customers. That magic ingredient, psychological safety. But it begs the question, what is psychological safety? Why is it so critical? How does one create a global culture that not only values it, but actually puts it into action. So these are just a few of the questions that we're diving into today. And I feel so lucky to be joined by my colleague, Lauren here, fellow HubSpotter and amazing senior manager. <laughs> so uh, thanks again for being here to chat, Lauren. Let's start off. So psych safety has been researched and written about and published on for roughly three decades. It's been 30 years, but it seems like only the last few years have a lot of companies put it into practice and put a focus on it. And for me, I wonder if that's because it feels sometimes like an abstract concept. Mm -hmm. So naturally, there's an academic definition to psych safety, but I'm curious what it means to you on the front lines of leadership. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with you. I think um, when we think about psychological, or we, we call it psych safety here, um, it is at its core incredibly abstract, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's actually on purpose because at least to me, my, my perspective of psychological safety is that it's actually different depending on which team you're on, what yeah. environment you're in. Um, so while there might be pure academic definitions, I think if I went to, um, went to the internet and typed in, how do I actually create my team's psych safety, I would not really find anything. So with that, um, I, I consider two foundational pieces of psych safety. I think there's one piece that's um, like authenticity and, and inclusion and making sure that everybody is able to be their true selves at work and, um, and making sure that whatever that looks like, you're included in how we work and act as a team. And mm -hmm. then there's also a component of high performance as well, because if people are, if you have a lot of psych safety and people are very comfortable with who they are and how they work, people tend to be happier at work and tend to produce better results because they're incredibly proud of the work that they're doing. So that's what it really comes down to for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I love the idea of the authenticity and high performance, and it's not just one or the other. And you had mentioned mm -hmm. if you do a Google search on how to create mm -hmm. psych safety, you don't see much. And I agree with that. What you end up seeing are things like be a person or like yep. demonstrate empathy or like listen. And I feel like those are fairly uh, standard things to do. Uh, and so as we talk through this conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about some more specific things that teams can do to drive psychological safety. So thanks, it's, it's awesome to have it explained in such a practical term and I align with you on both of those. I'm curious though, you had mentioned you know, authenticity and high mm -hmm. performance. I'm wondering if you can dig in a little bit more there on the importance of those two factors and it, as it relates to uh, you know, customer company and team success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, we we work at a place, um, one of the reasons why I value HubSpot so highly is because um, I do feel that I'm able to be my complete self and that I'm accepted and I can do my work however is best for me um, in the context of what makes my team successful. Um, that being said, if you don't have that level of 
comfort and belonging, um, it actually gets in the way of the results and, and the work that you can do. And mm -hmm. we're not necessarily always interested in what someone is told to do. We're actually very interested here in what people can potentially do. We, we actually, uh, we spend a lot of time making sure that we understand how we can hire to someone's potential and, and what they could potentially bring to the table. So if you don't have psychological safety or you don't have that feeling of authenticity and inclusion, um, you don't, you're not fostering a, a space of innovation and um, an idea generation. And one of the things I talk about a lot is how we are pretty failure friendly here at HubSpot and you need that degree of failure to say, you know what, go out and try it. Let's let's see what comes back. Let's see what happens. And as long as you learn something, then it was, it was worth it. So I think there's fostering innovation and creativity, but then there's also, um, there's a component of, I'm going to frame it as error reporting, mm, okay. where um, it's, you can't, as a leader, you can't identify everything yourself. Um, you need to lean on the people that are around you to be able to spot when things are off or yeah. where there are gaps maybe in your psych safety or gaps in the way your team is performing. So if you have a lot of, um, if you have a foundation of that understanding that we're very acceptive, accepting and inclusive, mm -hmm. um, then you've created an environment where people are able to raise those concerns are able to raise the flag and say, hey, there's something we can do here. So yeah. it's really two pieces of that. It sounds like there's like a, the fear of retaliation piece is big. Like mm. I shouldn't say, like I won't rock the boat. I shouldn't say anything because I don't know. Like is that the end of my career? Right. And like that's not yeah. helpful. And you can't have innovation without the safety around that, right? Like it's, it's all married. Innovation, failure, error reporting, everything is all together in one bundle. You kind of need that bundle to hit the sweet spot of high performance. Interesting. It's almost like you're taking the, you know, we as individuals develop by learning from experience mm -hmm. and you're almost extrapolating that out to the team. If you make it safe to think about the new mm -hmm. and different, to challenge your leaders, uh, report errors that feel risky to your own development, mm -hmm. uh, the best new ideas come from that. Yes. I completely agree. And with that, um, it, it's interesting because I don't think the best strategies, playbooks, innovations, um, as a leader, they don't come from me. Um, and I think that would be a lot of weight for somebody in a management or leadership position. It's, you but that's come often from, how it like yeah. feels, right? It usually feels like, well, you're the manager. You should have every answer and next step. Right. And that's not the case. No, I think it's I think it's enabling those around you to have that, mm -hmm. right? It's creating the space that says, um, "Do you have an idea? Bring it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what you can do, what this team can do." But you have to start by creating a space that's that people are able to speak up. Yeah, and it's almost like you're you're basically going out and saying like, you know, hey, I, I know this much within my perspective, but you have. And for those of you listening, and I'm, I'm making circles with my hands. So it's like, <laughs> I have beautiful this, circles. thank you. They're lovely. I have like this area of strength, but everything that's outside of there, you might have strength right. in those areas. So how yes. do we, how do we balance that? Yeah. And, and I think, um, I think with that too, um, part of, part of your responsibility is to create the space that people are operating in. Part of that is psychological safety. Part of that is setting a strong foundation, but it's always being, generally accepting towards what's coming your way so that you can continue to um, enable your team to grow. I can imagine that requiring a lot of emotional intelligence from a manager mm -hmm. because you're going to get challenged right now. Basically yep. what you're saying is like, hey team, tell me when I'm wrong mm -hmm. and tell me when you have a good idea that we should consider. And I could imagine as a leader, maybe like newer in my career or 
uh, you know, less uh, practiced in mm -hmm. the EI skills that mm -hmm. that could be triggering in mm -hmm. some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, especially if, if you're working with somebody who hasn't worked directly with leadership, you have to do a bit of education there as well. Um, but I, I think when it comes down to emotional intelligence, it's such a consciousness of the way that you're reacting, the way that you're presenting yourself, the way that you're talking about somebody's ideas or, or somebody's work, it's it's in everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So you've mentioned a couple things here. So we've talked about like acknowledging limitations, we've talked about uh, being able to you know emotionally control yourself, uh, emotional self-control is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, we've talked about um, also inviting engagement from those teams. So one other thing that you mentioned before we jump into that stuff is actually talking about it with your team. So I'm curious, would you say that's the first step mm -hmm. in getting started is just mm -hmm. talking about it and how come? Yeah, I. It's, it's very easy to sit in a room in a training and say, yeah, this is so incredibly important and then take that back and just sit at your desk and think it's important. I think talking about it is an incredibly important first step. It's, it's the work that we're doing to normalize it so that people have an awareness. What do you mean by normalize? Yeah, I think that if you're going into a meeting with your team or a one-on-one or -on -one with somebody on your team and you're talking about psychological safety, um, they shouldn't be going, what's that? Like, mm. they shouldn't be going, oh, well, you need to tell me what I need to do about that. They, to my point earlier, where a lot of our best ideas, a lot of our best innovations come from the ground up, they should also be thinking about ways to create and maintain a very safe space because... I, one of the ways I think about psychological safety is not what happens when I'm in the room, it's what happens when I'm outside of the room. And I can't exert control over that. You can just empower the people on your team to be able to behave in a way that supports one another. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, it's interesting your comment about what, they, what your team does when you're not in the room, if you're mm -hmm. the manager, being a good sign of psychological mm -hmm. safety. I think that's really interesting because you always have the person who like dominates a meeting or yep. says obviously we should do this and <laughs> saying the word obviously is not fostering psychological safety because it implies if this is obvious mm -hmm. then you shouldn't have a question and if mm -hmm. you do you're on the outside mm -hmm. of this group yep. and that can really damage psych safety so it's interesting that you talk about you being in the room versus not yeah and leaning, way to put it. Yeah. leaning a little bit more into that too just thinking about as a leader, um, it takes a degree of vulnerability to be able to think that way mm. as well, right? Like with um, with not being in the room or making sure that you're encouraging psychological safety, you actually have to put yourself out there first as to yeah. why you think this is important. You have to walk the walk and lead by example so that others will follow, at least in the behavior space. So there's a certain degree of vulnerability that you require from your team to even know how your psychological safety is on the team, which first requires your vulnerability. Yeah, I agree with that. And vulnerability being a feeling, right? Like mm -hmm. you feel vulnerable. That's what mm -hmm. we talk about. Uh, and it, it's interesting because psych safety is that feeling. And I wonder if part of the normalization, and I, I'd love to know your perspective on this, normalizing psychological safety also means normalizing the feeling that I am at risk. Like mm -hmm. I'm emotionally vulnerable because mm -hmm. if I speak up, tell this group that there's a better way to do it, ideate freely, report errors, then it means that this group of people might change their perception of my competence, mm -hmm. my positive intentions. And that feeling mm -hmm. of like, Ooh, oh no, that <laughs> needs to be normalized. Is that? Yeah. 
Absolutely, and if you think back to um, your point on the manager, the leader, whoever you're talking about, um, I think if you read old school management books or articles, it's always about how you're like carrying the flag up Mount Everest, be yeah. like, follow me, I've yeah. got this, like I'll make the decision. So if you're going into your room and you're creating this space where hey, your team can call you out when that data is not right or oh, that program, I'm not totally comfortable with that, that takes a degree of vulnerability as a leader to say like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this because I need you. Um, but it, it gets easier over time, but at first if you're starting or you have a new team or it's a new position, that, that adds a degree of complexity. Yeah, being, in, being new or having a new team or adopting a new team adds a bit of complexity. And I wanna talk about that in a second. Before we do, uh, I have one more question about this like concept of vulnerability. So I'm curious, are there any uh, specific behaviors, uh, and this isn't on the sheet, by the way. Uh, are there uh, for any... the listeners, I just looked at the sheet. <laughs> so. we've, we've all been looking at the sheet. Uh, <laughs> but when you, think, when you think through like, okay, if you're in a, a room, there's, there's two questions I want to tackle. One is, this sounds a lot like trust. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between psych safety and trust? And mm -hmm. the second question I have is, what behaviors do you see within a team that gives you a sense that psych safety is... Uh, to a high degree within this team. So let's tackle both of those. We'll go one at a time. Trust. Yes. How is right, it different so, from trust? Because it sounds like, well, we should all trust each other. So how is psych safety different from that? Yeah, I think um, I think saying that we should all trust each other is actually um, short-selling psych safety a little bit. Okay. I think psych safety is a little broader than that. I When I think of trust, at, at least my perspective, which I guess this podcast is my perspective, but my perspective <laughs> on this is that trust is um, individualized. It's yeah, okay. it's the summary of your relationship with someone. Ooh. And with that, the compilation of the interactions you've had with this person up until this point. Trust is an aspect of psychological safety. If you pull out... Um, or if you think of trust as a component of psychological safety, psychological safety is that room. It's the outcome of that room. Right, it's the right. environment in that room. And there, if you have a team of individuals, which I'm assuming if you're a leader or a manager, they're people that you're managing. So there's emotions, there's relationships, there's different ways that they're interacting that may, um, may increase or decrease trust um, because we're dealing with people and people make mistakes and mm -hmm. people do really great things. and there's all different sides of it. So when you think of psychological safety, I think that's the next step beyond trust. Like there's a certain foundation you need, but it's the environment that encourages collaboration and performance and, um, and debate and, um, and innovation when there is or isn't trust regardless of the relationships that you have in the room. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up debate. I feel like that's such a, a great tool for decision-making, especially when you're thinking maybe through like product or service strategy for an organization. Mm -hmm. So I feel like what I'm hearing you say is like trust. And I love what you said. Uh, you said it was the summation of your interactions with somebody mm -hmm. uh, or the, the compilation of your interactions, which is beautifully stated. Uh, I can imagine that the difference then from what I'm hearing is like trust would be that if you were my manager, we leave a team meeting and I come to you after and I'm like, Lauren, I have this idea, and I didn't want to share it in front of the group because I didn't want to look silly, mm -hmm. low psychological safety, because mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable in the group. Yes. But I trust you as an individual yes. to share this idea. Is that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I would say in that case, trust is high, but psych safety might be low. Interesting. So they can be separate. I feel like that's one of the common things that we hear is like, well, trust and psych safety are the same thing. They're, they're not. One is, from what you're saying, 
one is an interpersonal dynamic and the yes. other is a group dynamic. Yes, I would ah. say the distinction is the introduction of a group. Yeah, okay. And I, agree with that, I totally. would I would argue if you're working to get the trust of the entire group, you'll be working on that forever. <laughs> yeah. Just because every additional person that you add adds a degree of complexity to sure. that. So a great easy way to sum up that is by titling it under psychological safety, but it also introduces other conversations. For example, if you're talking about trust, sometimes it can be hard to introduce barriers related to performance with trust. But it what can do you mean be, by barriers? Well, maybe that's either relationships or maybe we couldn't establish a decision maker or sure. maybe we didn't trust that person's work. So like trust Got is it. a component of that. Right, right. But with that, if you're talking about trust, it's very individual to individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard someone define trust once. And I really like this definition is it's uh, someone's willingness to assume risk because they believe in your competence and positive mm -hmm. intentions. And I feel like that's mm. that makes sense, right? Like I'm willing to work with you on this thing because I know that you are intending to mm -hmm. do well and you have the competence to do so. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I feel comfortable sharing a crazy quote unquote idea with a whole bunch of people that I don't know very well. Right. Yeah. On the plus side, conversations like that can really illuminate as a as a manager of this team or this group, it can illuminate where your um, where your levels of risk are too high mm. and direct how you can actually create psychological safety. I talked about error reporting a little bit earlier. That's one of those pieces that actually causes you to think about, well, what could have possibly gotten in the way of you sharing that idea? I know it's a very safe environment for you to do that, but what in your mind has created that anxiety or created that barrier for you to be able to interact with your peers in that way? Yeah. And that can actually, as a manager and leader, have you take a step back and look at the group and say, okay, well, what could have created this condition? Right. And where do I direct my efforts? Interesting. Uh, as you're talking through this, I'm thinking about like Tuckman's model of forming, storming, norming, performing, and like mm. you need to let those things happen. It's one of my favorites. Me too. <laughs> uh, but if you have psychological safety, then it makes it easier to go through that because then you can acknowledge like, all right, hey group, I think we're in a storming phase. Mm -hmm. We're butting heads. Like, can we please stop and pause and share ideas on how to get mm -hmm. back on track? Like, I, I would imagine that being an ideal mm -hmm. scenario for a leader. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yep. Yeah. I. I completely agree and I think part of this all goes back to awareness right like you can't talk about what's broken if you haven't even talked about where you're hoping to go and even if it's not broken it could be the new and different if right. I'm saying like hey I think I have a strategy for a GTM a go-to-market um, that would work here but like I might be at HubSpot or whatever organization for 90 days like mm -hmm. who am I to share that but if there's high psychological safety um, I can share that and mm -hmm. that might be the golden ticket to Mm -hmm. you know, 10xing success. Yep, absolutely. I That's why I think that um, authentic, authenticity and inclusion is linked to high performance because I, at least it's my perspective that every manager or leader wants a high performing team. I, I think I that's... Would, I would hope so. I would hope so. I think, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be listening <laughs> if you don't, um, but with that, that, that's why they're linked together because yeah. you, you really, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, and it's when you like and we're getting a little off topic here, but when you embrace <laughs> the experiences and the diversity of experiences within everyone on your mm -hmm. team, your playing field of decisions becomes much larger. Yes. Um, but anyway, that's a different podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned uh, for another time. Um, okay, let's let's keep on moving here. So we've talked a lot about psych safety, what it is, why it matters, inclusivity, high performance, error reporting, the new and different, all mm -hmm. that stuff. 
Let's talk about how. Mm. How do you do it? Um, so there's the small behaviors, removing words like obviously, creating mm -hmm. group norms where people can um, show up a specific way for a team, uh, mm -hmm. removing technology for meeting. There's all those mm -hmm. little ones. Yep. But if you're a manager and you mm -hmm. are stepping into a new team and you're like, I want to start the psych safety conversation, you had said talking about it was important, mm -hmm. but then, then what? Yeah, so I mean, that's a great first step. The way I would actually frame that is um, exploratory. Okay. So I think um, one of the mistakes that we can make around psych safety is going in and making a bunch of assumptions. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, this doesn't feel right. Obviously, psych safety is broken or it's off. And even those little things that you can do. So, for example, like I'll, I'll just use an example I even just spoke about a few minutes ago. I used the word barrier. That should probably be framed as opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like there are ways that you can change your speech and you probably don't realize how much of an impact that has, whether it's your speech, your behavior, shutting your tech, like those little things actually really do matter mm. because as a leader or manager, one of the things that uh, one of my managers gave me very early on was like, you're always watched and not to the point of like, people are actually very curious in what you're doing. It's just people are taking cues from you. Yeah, you're under a microscope as a leader, yeah. definitely. So even just paying attention to those micro behaviors is a great first step and I don't wanna undersell that by any means. Yeah, can I add one in here? Because there was something that someone had shared uh, with me a little while ago. They had said, uh, you know, they're a huge fan of um, music, so they have headphones on mm -hmm. usually, but it doesn't mean that you can't come up to me. But that right. gave off this impression that I was not available as mm -hmm. a manager. And they just yeah. simply explained out to their team, like, no, mm -hmm. that, that isn't it at all. Mm -hmm. um, one other one that I heard anecdotally was someone who had their phone out face up during mm -hmm. a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And the, the feeling was like initially that, oh, this, this person has more important things to do mm -hmm. than to talk with me. Yeah. But then simply explaining like, well, I've got, I've got kids at home. And like, if the babysitter calls me or daycare calls mm -hmm. me, like, I'm going to pick up the phone. Yeah. And that changes the dynamic entirely. I was going to say, just even pulling on that, um, part, of, part of what you can do around psychological safety is the creation of context. Sure. And I think oftentimes we very often, especially new relationships, right? Like you asked me about going into a new team. Um, it's easy to just go in and just start working. It's very tempting. Like there's lots of things that you could be doing. There's lots of things you can work on. But even taking a step back and setting context, like how you work, why you might have your your phone out, like those things can help create the same playing field right. um, that everybody's operating off of. Also, just a quick update, Nick and I have been talking with our hands extensively during this podcast, um, so I just wanted to make sure people were included. Yeah. yeah. So if you're at home making random hand gestures, it's probably our influence. Yep. Okay. So setting the stage and getting people on the same page um, with how you work and how what your expectations are can actually go a long way because you're all starting from a similar place. It can be much harder to just go in and assume everybody knows. Right. Yeah. That's that's a big component. Like imagine if you're listening to this podcast, imagine that you didn't have to spend any mental calories figuring out what this person's working preferences were, mm -hmm. what hours they're most creative, how they like to receive mm -hmm. feedback, how they want to be coached, mm -hmm. how they want to bring up new ideas. And if you were to just to talk about that as a group, mm -hmm. um, you would build tons of safety because all of us have preferences. We're, we're human. So we all have preferences on how we want to work um, and, and other you know, special things. So what if we just talked about that mm -hmm. normally, normalizing it, to use yep. that word, 
um, it would create such a, a different environment for a team. Yeah, sure. and that's that's part of the the exploratory kind of phase that I was talking about mm -hmm. around building context, getting on the same page, um, creating awareness around mm -hmm. it. Because I think a lot of times, especially with newer um, people newer to management or leadership, I'll see um, people thinking that their preferences are actually wrong because they're sure. not conforming to what their ideals of management have been. Interesting. And rather than leaning into, oh well, maybe this is who I am as a manager, or this is who I am as a leader, because they're figuring that out at the same time, they might assume it's wrong and it's important to create that space that they can actually have a conversation with you because a lot of people will actually just assume it's wrong and go about their day. Hmm. Interesting. Um, sorry, you're just giving me like four things to think about <laughs> for later. Okay, uh, I think that's all wonderful. So, uh, so it starts by talking about it mm -hmm. with your team, the normalization, yep. talking about the small behaviors. Yep. Then what? I'd also consider um, we do. I think we have something here that we do at HubSpot, right? It's it's like a uh, psych safety inventory. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so teams, team leaders uh, can create an in, a psychological safety mm -hmm. inventory, and it's really simple. It's built through Google Forms, but it's this anonymous survey and it asks questions like, if I were to admit a failure, I feel confident that I wouldn't be uh, judged or ridiculed. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to offer a new, a, a new and untested idea that I wouldn't be um, you know, judged, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also questions around like how confident they feel around leadership. And what comes out of this is basically a report on the degree mm -hmm. of psychological safety on your team. Now, not every team has used it because it's not, uh, it, it's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of commitment on half of the, the manager that's there. But it's certainly a way to do it. One really simple one that we do with teams, and I'll explain it really quickly, is we do a, an in-the-moment inventory. So we ask mm -hmm. everyone in the room to close their eyes, and they're allowed to mask their voice in case you have a very distinctive voice. <laughs> uh, so one team that we did it with all decided to try to imitate Muppets. It was very cute. Uh, but we asked them, on a scale of one to five, five feeling very safe and one feeling not safe at all, how confident would you feel admitting a mistake right here, right now, in mm -hmm. front of everyone on your team? And then everyone says their answer from one to five at the same time, and because what you're really listening for is an average. So that's a simple way to take a psych safety inventory, mm -hmm. and then there's the more complex and formal way. But what you're really looking for are starting points, because mm -hmm. once you have that starting point, you can start to move on from there. Yes, and that's what I want to dial in on is a starting point. Mm -hmm. I think that's so incredibly important. So a lot of these these ways that you would go into a team and you would pick up your cues and you would pick up um, how people are feeling, how they're behaving in meetings, how they're talking in one-on-ones, how they're talking about their peers and, and how they work with them, you're, you're gathering, to use our exercise name, an inventory of mm -hmm. the psych safety on your team. This is one way to measure and assess it in a framework that actually creates consistency. Mm. So you actually get that indicator and you can form a starting point. Mm. Um, one of the things that I know we've talked about before, um, though with an exercise like that, it takes a very high degree level of vulnerability mm. in an exercise like that. Well, mm -hmm. I mean like a normal level of vulnerability with that exercise, like really high with the Muppet one. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with that, um, you have to understand like what effect it will have on your team as well. Is it a completely brand new team and they don't know anybody that they're talking to? Or is it one that maybe has not had psych safety work before? We've had studies on it, but maybe we haven't implemented it with the team. Those those two teams are gonna create different responses mm. to something like that. And what's where it really comes down to is as a 
leader, what do you do with that information? Right. So what do you <laughs> do with that information? I think that you decide what's most important to okay. your team and what's most important to the individuals on your team. Again, like I don't know if I started this podcast with um, – with I'll give you the answer if you go to Google and type in how do I build psych safety for my team. I feel like that was a bit of a teaser. Um, yeah. <laughs> but with that, you can actually formulate a plan based on what is most important to the individuals on your team. Sure. And that stuff will come out. You'll see what the challenges are. You'll see where people go to speak up in a meeting but maybe don't. Mm. Or you'll see the error reporting and you'll say, you know what, this is actually getting in the way of people being really comfortable, really um, excited to come to work mm. and you'll actually see it in your results and we frame everything here at HubSpot with how does that actually ultimately impact the customer it's very easy to draw the connection if you have a team um, that doesn't have psychological safety and everybody's operating in their own silo um, I, I don't think there's a lot of need to reinvent the wheel. I think we build teams with the idea that everybody complements one another um, and brings a diversity of professional experience. So we know that the results will be better based on that. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So let's say, so let's say you're a manager, which mm -hmm. you are. So you start off, you talk with your team, you do a little bit of an inventory, you start to get some insights, you start to change those small behaviors that we talked about. And then what? I imagine that there's like some slightly larger first step that a manager would need to do. You you go first, right? Yeah, you you start by um, you start by acknowledging your team's limitations. Your team or or you as a manager? Oh well, you as a manager. Like okay. this is back to the lead by example. Right, right. Yeah. yeah sorry, totally. I'm just including myself in the team. I'm no, being you inclusive. should. You should. You are part of that team. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, you start by acknowledging your limitations. You start by inviting engagement, and you have to. This is the challenging part. Like you, you respond. Um, appreciatively, you respond authentically to what you're seeing, and so. Um, I think is that the is that the Amy, Amy Edmondson model? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So I think um, it's it's funny because I feel like sometimes people think like feeling weird about this stuff is bad. It's actually good. That mm -hmm. means you're like making progress sure, and yeah, you're yeah. actually taking a step forward. Yeah, and you're yeah. challenging people to think a little bit differently. So um, I I lean back on that of like, okay, does it feel a little uncomfortable? Okay, we're we're learning a little bit, yeah. and we're actually challenging the norms. So if I were to kind of like play it out, so uh, I've worked in learning and development and org dev, dev for, for years mm -hmm. now, uh, a little over a decade. So if I were to walk out of my role now and walk into a sales role, mm -hmm. this model would look something like, and just like correct me where I go wrong, mm -hmm. it would be something along the lines of like, all right team, so I know that I'm new to uh, you all obviously, but I'm also new into sales. And so I haven't sold a product in maybe 10 years. So while I'm really good at the operational piece, and the coaching and the feedback piece where mm -hmm. I am going to have limitations is around mm -hmm. what's the most modern way to sell this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I need your help, which is what sounds like the invite engagement part, mm -hmm. right? Like yep. this is where I need your help. Mm -hmm. When you see a better way to do it, please tell me because I want to implement yeah. it broadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when they do, 
then I need to respond appreciatively. Like, does that yeah. sound kind of like what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, we've, we sum it up in like buzzwords or buzz phrases. Yeah. So at least to me, that's like vulnerability, lead by example, yeah, like yeah. put yourself out there type thing. But yes, that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, it's neat. It's interesting. It almost creates like a, a harbor, like, hey, if mm -hmm. you are trying to speak up mm -hmm. um, on this team, mm -hmm. here's the categories in which I really want you to speak up because I don't have that. Yeah, there's also something you did there that I think is important too that we often like glaze by um, is that you describe something specific yeah. that you need help with. I think oftentimes we have people saying like, well, I'm here if you need help. And that's so broad. And in some spaces that can actually be challenging yeah. to create, to use your phrase, a safe harbor mm -hmm. for people to actually step into to help because it is so broad. Well, because what you're doing in that point is you're basically giving them one more thing to think about. You're not only saying right. like, I want your help here, but I want you to figure out how I prefer for you to help me, right. which is like the most convoluted sentence, never mind concept. Right. So uh, I think Larry King actually wrote in his book, and it's something that I love, he said, you can't just tell people that you want something, you need to tell people how they can deliver that thing mm -hmm. to you. And so he was specifically talking about feedback as he was a new radio host. He told people, I want feedback and here's the mailing address that you can use mm -hmm. to send it to me. And he said that he saw a ma major increase in feedback mm -hmm. because they didn't have to think about how, they mm -hmm. just had to think about what. Right. And that sounds like to your point of specificity, being an avenue to do that. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not necessarily telling somebody that they have to buy a certain car, or buy a certain like type of bike or anything like that, but you're telling them what road to go on. Right. Saying like, I will be here on this road. You can find me. How you get here is up to you, but I will be here. Yeah. Come find me. Please. Yeah. yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's awesome. All right. So the next question is about globalization. So mm -hmm. this this idea is kind of high level, it's a little bit like unicorns and rainbows. You and I know that it's not, but at mm -hmm. first blush, it can feel that way. So if you're feeling that way on this podcast, like double click, drill down, get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> uh, there's a book called The Fearless Organization, which really talks about this. Psych safety isn't just about being nice, um, which it can feel that way mm -hmm. at first. It is really about reaching high performance. Um, so we, we would be remiss if we were to let this podcast go without just doubling down on that piece. Mm -hmm. But moving to the globalization part, HubSpot's got nine global offices. Organizations are more remote than ever. Mm -hmm. Does psych safety play globally? The, spoiler alert, the answer is yes. <laughs> I think that um, when you actually blow it out to being a little bit more global, I actually see it as like climbing in importance as mm -hmm. opposed to decreasing. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you start to expand beyond your borders, um, there's a number of different cultural components that can create or take away or add to psychological safety. Mm -hmm. So that whole awareness component is enormous the, the further beyond your physical borders you go. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, one of the things that I talk about is um, Specifically, when we start to look at different, so we we do have we have a bunch of offices. My my team itself is actually um, split between remote ports our Portsmouth office and our Cambridge office, and um, I think when we start to put physical barriers between people, there's the temptation to lean into those as actual barriers mm. as opposed to opportunities to go just a little bit further. So to your to the point that we were just talking about with specificity and providing the road at least that people will be on 
sometimes it's easier to avoid that when we have physical barriers. So we have to be that much more conscious yeah. of making sure that we can provide people the path or the bridge or whatever analogy we, we feel most comfortable with. <laughs> uh, I like that you went with bridge because it's nautical and goes into the HubSpot love of nautical analogies. This is true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what it, I mean, what it sounds like is, you know, Portsmouth, Cambridge, Dublin, wherever you are, people are people, but the cultural differences might change how you build psychological safety. Yes. So the question yeah. isn't, does psychological safety exist in all cultures? The question really is, how does mm -hmm. your specific culture build psychological mm -hmm. safety? Which if we think back to the beginning of this podcast, um, you're gonna do that with your team too. Mm. It's always gonna look different based on your team makeup. So applying that same investigation, that same awareness, that same approach to being inclusive and authentic applies here as well. Yeah, I think that's right on. It makes me think of, uh, I'm going to get academic for a, a quick second. Go for it. It is my nature. <laughs> uh, but I think about Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs for mm -hmm. folks. So if you're at home, imagine a triangle uh, with a few different levels. And at the bottom, you have physiological. People can't perform if they are hungry, tired, um, dehydrated. The next level up is safety, mm -hmm. which includes psychological and physical. So if you are uh, malnourished, uh, you can't perform. If you don't feel safe psychologically or physically, you won't be able to perform. Mm -hmm. And then the higher levels are like self-actualization, et cetera, et cetera. But those two bottom ones mm -hmm. are scientifically uh, proven year after year as being necessary for high performance and self-actualization. So that psych safety piece becomes foundational in all of the research uh, around organization development or mm -hmm. just psychology in general. Uh, I think that's right on. So to mm -hmm. recap a little bit of what we talked about, we talked about what is psychological safety, and uh, we'll we'll give you the the academic version at this point because you've been waiting so long. <laughs> it's the feeling that your group is safe for moderate risk taking, reporting errors, talking about failure, learning from experience, cultivating innovation, speaking of the new and different, and being truly authentic to who you are. Because when you combine all of those elements, your team is able to reach performing uh, a performance state. Awesome. The other thing we talked about is like, how do you do it? So we talked a little bit about this, the education piece, normalizing behavior. We talked about little behaviors that build psych safety. And then we talked a lot about the manager going first here, mm -hmm. acknowledging limitations, inviting engagement, and responding appreciatively, which mm -hmm. seems to be a, a pretty strong model. Uh, and then we talked lastly about globalization, that people are people everywhere. So it's like safety exists everywhere, but the cultural nuances uh, for where you are might change how you go about building psych safety. I think, I think that's everything. Did I miss anything? You didn't talk about how we talk with our hands. Oh, we talk a lot with our hands and we have paper <laughs> that we're referencing and writing on. Yeah, um, but otherwise, yeah, that, that sounds about what we covered. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Lauren, for chatting with me about psych safety, what it is, the importance of it, and how to get started. I think it's fair to say uh, that we learned a lot in the last few years by really focusing on it, but we're still learning every day, and it starts mm -hmm. with conversations like this one. So uh, I'd love to ask just one final question. Mm -hmm. We talked about it a little bit, but what comes after psych safety? Like, is the end goal for my team to feel like mm -hmm. a, you know, unicorns and rainbows <laughs> safety? It kind of seems like a utopia of work. Yeah. Um... I don't think of psychological safety as something that you achieve and you're done and all right, pack it up, ship it off to the post office, you're good to go. Um, psychological safety is not the beginning goal um, or not the end goal. It's the first goal, right? Like okay. 
you have to build it. And as you cited the forming, storming, norming, performing framework. Yeah, the Tuckman model, yeah. Yeah, every time you inject somebody in or move somebody out or somebody has something life-wise, like that also affects your psych safety. Mm. So it is just something that keeps going and going and going. So yes, I do think that there is that utopia of unicorns and rainbows, but I just think that's what that is. That's just a utopia. It's not a state of work. I think there are states of work that are amazing and fun and there's a lot of inherent trust built between peers and between managers, but I just think it's something that you have to continue. Yeah, like we talked about at the beginning, it's, it's certainly the foundation for high performance. And then, uh, like you said, you, you continue to work on it. You continue to build it. But teams who do start to sense that, what they can start to look for after you feel like you have a good sense of psychological safety, then you can really start to move into some other phases that... Uh, Google found after a, a massive four-year study written up in the New York Times, they found that psych safety was the beginning. Without that, you can't move on to stage two, which is dependability. Mm -hmm. Once I feel safe within this group, then I can depend on the group mm -hmm. to do things that support each other and our ideal outcome. Once I have dependability, then structure and clarity mm -hmm. comes in. Then we can derive meaning from that experience. And then lastly, we can drive that meaningful impact. So I agree, psych safety is the, the underpinning of all of those things as you're thinking about team development over time. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you again for your time and your honesty, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this episode of Culture Happens, HubSpot's podcast all about the future of work and company culture.